That's right, you're listening to another edition of the Perspective Podcast. This is episode number seven. And of course, I'm your host, Rory. Let's get this party started. It's our one-year anniversary right here on the Perspective Podcast. Let's keep it real. Let's be honest. Straightforward and independent talk. Let's get the perspective with Rory, a podcast that brings knowledge with substance. Here's the man behind the mic. right here on the perspective podcast yappers cool in the gang cool in the gang there's a party going on somewhere around the corner make sure you look very very carefully welcome 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 folks to the Perspective Podcast. This is episode number seven. And of, of course, I am your host, Rory. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, you're hearing that music there by Cool and the Gang from back in the day. Yepers, it's celebration mode right here at Perspective Podcast. Guess what? It's one year this month. This month is literally one year since I started the podcast back in 2020 on during the whole craziness of the COVID pandemic in the initial stages of it. And obviously we're still dealing with the ripple effects of it a year later, but it's not like 2020, that's for sure, as things slowly but surely are getting back to normal. I wanna thank you guys for coming once again and tuning in each and every time an episode is posted. I really, really, truly and humbly appreciate 
all of you guys for tuning in. I always say this, that you guys have so many choices out there right now. A lot of people are doing podcasts. Lots of people are sharing their own content and creativity and all of that with all the different uh, podcasts that are out there. So you get for you to spend a little bit of your busy schedule to listen to my content and um, participate as well. I truly, truly humbly appreciate that. Thank you so much, folks. Yep, I've been out out for a few weeks, um, but as you know, normal, you know, with life, there is always things to do. So we're always busy doing other things as well. But still, I cannot go through the entire month of April and not have an episode. Obviously, this is our one year anniversary here on the perspective podcast well as always we have lots of stuff to go through this uh in this episode uh, obviously we're going to have the highs and lows for this week a few of them that we're going to be outlining this week in this episode is that a man refused a temperature check at disney so find out what next happened to him so we're going to have that story for you uh as well we also going to be talking about an engagement ring payoff by a superstar, very, very high, uh, very, very just eye-opening and just jaw-dropping moment by a, a, a superstar that did this for a young man who was looking to buy his engagement ring for, obviously, his uh, soon-to-be wife. So we're going to have that story for you coming up in a few minutes. Also, a CNN anchor leaves, or actually leaving her gig as an anchor, but she also went ahead and spilling the beans on gender disparity. As we all know, uh, there's a lot of cancel culture that's going on across the United States, not only here in the United States, pretty much worldwide, and and uh, uh, race conversations that are popping up, gender uh, pop, uh, discrimination and all that stuff uh, that, that's taking place uh, in our spare these days. So apparently a CNN anchor left her post, or actually... You know, no longer will we be working for CNN in a few days. She's now spilling the beans on what's going on inside that particular network in regards to gender disparity. So we're going to outline that for you coming up in the show. And also, Charles Barkley. Many of you guys know him. He was a former NBA superstar back in the day. He made a slam dunk comment about politics and how politicians... I'm not going to even spill the beans anymore. You got to listen to this. This is a very, very interesting conversation by him uh so we're gonna have that for you coming up in the show as well money challenge update yep we're still doing that find out where we should be for this time of the year we're gonna outline that for you coming up and also rory's advice this is our second uh segment for this particular part of the podcast which is my advice you guys ask me a particular question and i give you my honest opinion and advice on some of them as well so this one we're going to be outlining that for you coming up very interesting one as well so that's coming up also things that make you say hmm i have some interesting things that make you say hmm so you're going to sit back for that hang tight we have a lot of stuff to go through so stick around this is the Perspective Podcast, and as we make way for my take. He is to the point, from an independent view, with hard-hitting commentary, this is Rory's Take. All right, folks, um, before I get started with some of, some comments that uh, have been on my mind for a few weeks, I want to really, really mention this because obviously I grew up you know, watching movies and, and uh, 
literally listening to some of his music as well. And uh, it's very, very tough to hear another artist again that is uh, struggling on a very, very thin stri string onto his life uh, because of drug overdose and so forth. So I'm not sure if many of you guys heard, but rapper DMX, he suffered a massive heart attack last weekend and um, have been really, 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 really struggling in the hospital right now uh, due to preliminary reports about drug overdose. Now, DMX is not an old guy, but he has been around for, for a little bit, especially many of us who grew up in the 90s and early 2000s. Uh, you probably listened to some of his music as well as see him in countless movies. Now, he have been in, in, in the hospital since, I want to say, Friday overnight into Saturday morning, and now we're at Friday, and it is not looking uh, good, apparently, on some recent observation that he did with um, with the caregivers that are, uh, you know, pretty much trying to see and, and evaluate him and, and see if there's any possible brain activity. So there's been a report that came through on one of these news agencies here um, that, quote, it is not looking good. Uh, rapper, rapper DMX has not regained any brain function a week after a heart attack as family faced the agonizing decision to take him off of life support. Um, the test results have been described as not good on uh, in Thursday's report and uh, that his family have requested that longtime friend and former manager Steve Rifkin fly to New York on Friday, which is today, to be by his side. So based on that, it looks really, really dire right now for DMX and we all can just keep him and his family in our prayers um it's just another another one of our artists that are going you know it's, you know hanging on to their life due to drug overdose and there's so many countless of them that we have lost over the years and decades and um unfortunately it's looking really really uh bleak so i just want to pass on that um information if many of you guys have not um, follow up on the latest update. Um, that's the latest update that I've had here. I'm not sure if there might be any changes. I'm quite certain there will be changes, unfortunately, um, as the hours and days uh, progresses. So we'll see what happens there. But very, very unfortunate news um, to hear. All right. So um, what has been on my mind recently, and I talked about it in prior uh, podcast episode about the COVID-19 vaccines and obviously it's becoming a very very big hot button issue um, in many of our media as well as even on social media it's pretty much everywhere and um, a lot of people are pretty much um, taking the the vaccine overwhelmingly now there have been reports that the vaccine numbers have increased substantially, like many people are taking the vaccine in, in droves. Um, I believe there was last week, there have been a record, a record breaking week of people being vaccinated, pretty much got the jab. Um, and I think if I'm not mistaken, there was one report that it said in, in just a day, I believe in a week, 
there has been about 4 million people been vaccin vaccinated uh, in the United States. So, and uh, yeah, so a lot of people are going out there and they're taking their the jabs, uh, primarily Pfizer and uh, Moderna um, vaccines that are being administered here in the United States. Um, and it's really turning the, the page uh, of this pandemic still. But obviously, there's still lots of people who don't feel comfortable with the vaccine. And um, you can't blame people for being um, speculative of uh, being vaccinated here in the United States. But one key thing, one key element, and every day as we continue to learn about the COVID-19 and all the other ripple or trickle down um, information that's going to come through that, that typically comes through uh, the mainstream media and through you know you know online media and social media and so forth you know we always learn something and there's always a debate that go alongside it as well and this is about the vaccine passport I'm quite certain many of you guys are hearing this on many of the news outlets out there and um, a lot lot of people are I want to say a lot of people but Obviously, there's a lot of disagreement. You have a lot of people who are pro the vaccine passport, and there's a lot of set a group of you know people that are essentially against it. Now, the question is, for the vaccine passport, is is it morally right to have the vaccine passport, or is it legally wrong? for the government to force that upon people. Now, it depends on what side of the fence you fall on. Um, obviously, a lot of people who took the vaccine obviously going to be, oh yeah, we should have the vaccine passport. We, why, why shouldn't we? And obviously, a lot of people who have not taken the vaccine, obviously, many of them will be on the other side of the fence. I said this in the last podcast, and I'll say it again, that... My my, and this is just my opinion. I know a lot of people, um, or you know, might agree with my comments, and a lot of people may disagree. But this is just my personal belief and my personal comment on it. Um, the vaccine, obviously, it's available for many of us now. They many states now have um, include down to sixteen years old for you to get vaccinated right now. You know, earlier earlier in the year it was. 60 65 and upwards for a while and then obviously it trickled down to 40 and, and 30s and now pretty much as young as 16 years old you can get the jab and um obviously if you're 16 or 17 and and so forth obviously you have to get your parent your parents consent to that um but yeah it's it's available essentially for anybody in in in, in pretty much any state that you go to right now um and back to my argument is is that i don't think and i still don't think this should be something that should be mandatory for everybody right um if you want to take the vaccine you can take the vaccine right if there's a lot of people out there that don't want to take the vaccine you sh you should not force people to take the vaccine if they don't want to take it um we live in the United States and we say that the United States, our country, is the beacon of freedom, right? 
Now, forcing or, yeah, essentially forcing people to take something that they don't want to take, you know, how do you still classify that of being a free country? You see what I'm saying? Like, if we if we classify ourselves to be a free country, why should people be forced to do something that they don't want to do? And especially if you tie in religious beliefs. You have a lot of people who, you know, are very, very religious and they don't believe in vaccines. How do you handle, how do you become sensitive in handling a very, very sensitive issue like that, especially when it comes to the folks that are, you know, religiously not into that kind of thing in regards to like vaccines and so forth? How do you handle that? If we, if we, especially if we call ourselves the country and the, you know, the, the democracy that we call free, you know, I always, as I said before, this should not be something that is forced upon people to take it, you know, and if people don't take it, are we going to discriminate people who don't, who are not vaccinated? So it's like we're going to be stirring up something that could cause some negative effect on social well-being as well in, the, in this country. Um, so it is a very, very delicate situation to handle. It's not just something that we, yeah, I'm going to take the jab. I'm going to, you know, roll up my sleeves and yeah, I'm going to take the jab. There's a lot of people out there that who, as I said before, have those particular beliefs out there. And they don't believe in vaccines. And But how do you handle people like those? And they still want to participate socially. You know, they still want to go to, to work. They still want to go to church. They still want to participate in, in family functions and family events. How do you handle those people who are not vaccinated? Right? Same thing with the... I understand the flu vaccine is totally different from the COVID because the COVID is a pandemic. The flu, the flu is not a pandemic, but... Um, how do we know for a fact if somebody took, you know, obviously they want to try to use the, the, the vaccine passport to prove that you were vaccinated. Um, but there are still reports out there that are indicated that people who have gotten the vaccine still end up getting infected with COVID-19. So how does that match up? How do you guys feel about that? How do you guys analyze that because i'm not sure if i'm analyzing it too much or i'm or or what i don't know but i still think there needs to be a little bit more education on the the vaccine the covid19 vaccine specifically including myself i'm still doing research i'm still you know reading things and, and and making sure that i feel comfortable in taking it and obviously there might be a time there might be a time in which that Hey, we might have to all take it, right? But my point is, I don't want myself or anybody out there who are not big on vaccine to be forced to take it. Make it to be make for it to become a mandatory thing for you to do for this for us in order to reach herd immunity. Because uh, obviously that's the goal that all of us across the world is trying to get in and in, in, in turning the page on this COVID-19 pandemic is that herd immunity. But I want you guys to listen to 
um, the Florida governor, uh, Ron DeSantis, he has been getting a lot of flacking um, from some of his constituents as well even as well as on the media about his stance on the COVID-19 passport um, that he is trying to not have in the state of Florida. I want you guys to listen to what he said in a recent, um, I guess, news conference. Let's put it like that. Let me see if I can get that loaded up for you in just a sec. Okay, so here is what uh, this news report. This is coming from a Tampa Bay Fox affiliate about Florida governor to forbid COVID-19 vaccine passport in his state. Listen to this. Let's get back to normal. Others say it's an invasion of privacy. A vaccine passport could be required for travel or even sporting events. As Fox 13's Lloyd Sowers reports, while some businesses and states are considering them, Florida's governor says not here. Supporters say a digital passport proving that you've had the vaccine would smooth the way back to bigger crowds at places like Tampa International Airport. You know, many people who are getting vaccines now, um, especially seniors who haven't seen their families in a while, are starting to travel. The International Air Transport Association is testing a digital vaccine passport as economically strapped airlines search for a way to convince travelers to return to international flights. If you and I, as potential travelers, believe that our other co-travelers are safe, we might be more inclined to travel because they know we want to. And for international travel, I think that probably makes some sense. For domestic travel, I think it's going to be hard to do. Vaccine passports raise concerns along ethical and logistical lines. As New York introduces a vaccine passport, Florida's governor rules it out. It's completely unacceptable for either the government or the private sector to impose upon you uh, the requirement that you show proof of vaccine to just simply be able to participate in normal society. You want to go to a movie theater? Should you have to show that? No. You want to go to a game? Do you, no. You want to go to a theme park? No. So we're not supportive of that. The governor says he won't allow businesses to refuse service to people who can't prove they've been vaccinated. Lloyd Towers, Fox 13 News. Huh. So that is uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis saying, hey, no way, Jose, that you guys going to, you know, he's essentially he's going to be setting up an executive order pretty soon. Don't know when uh, to avoid businesses across the uh, across the state of Florida to impose vaccine passports. Now, how do you guys feel about that? You know, do do you guys think that's, you know, what Ron DeSantis is doing, it's not, you know, it should not be um, imposed. Like, he sh the vaccine passport should allow for us to know who are among us that are vaccinated so they, they feel safe. Or do you think vaccine passports are infringing upon your rights as citizens of not only the state of Florida, but citizens of the United States? It's a tricky, tricky, tricky subject. It's a tricky issue here. And it's not something that's just easy, cut and dry, said and done and, and, and get with the program. It's it, it, it's going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot of uh, heat. Um, and the thing is, in when you're a leader, both sides of the aisle are not going to have it. You, you're they're not going to be able to align with what your governing or leader leader leadership 
motive is because uh, being a leader it, it is it is tough it is tough and you can't please everybody um but what he's saying what ron DeSantis is saying is pretty much what i'm saying right here as well i don't agree with a lot of things that he said but that's to me that's something there that i have to agree with him on you know you can't force people so you're telling me you go to a a movie theater they're going to ask for your COVID 19 vaccine passport just to go to a movie but yet still if we do get the COVID 19 vaccine we still have to be wearing our mask like you know what's the timeline for people um if they get vaccinated what's the timeline for people to go back to like you know normalization mask and you know you, you don't have to wear a mask in a the movie theater you don't have to wear a mask on on the on, on an airplane um but i'm gonna be i'm gonna stand corrected because i believe the cdc i believe early this week if not late last week mentioned that people who are fully vaccinated they can i believe you can travel you know and you don't have to necessarily wear a mask i have to double check on that but i believe that's what they said um, but they do said that you still might have to ab abide by other jurisdictions COVID-19 protocols. So let's say you want to go to the Cayman Islands and even though you're vaccinated here in the United States and you can, you know, freely wear, you know, you don't have to wear a mask. You know, you, you provide your vaccine passport that you were vaccinated, but you're going to Cayman Islands and they have regulations in place that you still have to wear a mask. You... Um, and also, I forgot to mention this part, too. You also don't need a COVID-19 test if you're already, obviously, if you're fully vaccinated, you don't need that to travel as well. So, but let's say if you go to Cayman Islands and they have those COVID-19 protocols in place that you have to wear a mask, you, you know, got to do all the necessary protocols that they have imposed there. You still have to do that as well. And on top of that, if Cayman Islands and Cayman Islands jurisdiction said, hey, we need a COVID-19 um, test, you know, you know, few days before your flight, you still have to provide that if you go to those jurisdictions. So these are some of the things that we all have to think about when we talk about the COVID-19 passport, the implications of it. Uh, is it going to be the, 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 the hurdle that we all have to overcome in order to get back to normalization? It's 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 a tricky, tricky, a tricky, 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 tricky topic. And um, it's going to be very interesting to see how things go. Now, it's going to be tough for Ron DeSantis, because if this goes up to the executive level where, let's say, Joe Biden says, hey, well, state of Florida, you guys are not imposing vaccine passports. Well, we're going to be doing it federally. So it, obviously the plan the, that executive order in Florida, it's obviously going to be null and void because it's now a, na a national mandate nationally nationally a vaccine passport will be needed so it's going to be very very interesting stuff that's going to really really like before we get to that normal normalization these are some of the things that we have to iron out and that's why education um doing your own research Figuring out what is best for you and your family is going to be very, very vital and key for us to go over this hurdle. Um, so just interesting stuff to think about. And um, I'm going to mention this briefly as well before I get before I wrap up, because I want to mention this also, which is very, very key, which also is kind of tied into the ripple effects of the COVID-19 uh, on our economy. Now, 
jobs, jobs, and jobs. But apparently, no one wants it. So apparently, what's going on right now, lots of employers out there are looking for candidates to fill roles in their establishments. And they just are finding it very, very difficult uh, to find people. Why is that? Hmm. Think deeply. Because what is going on right now is another big, big issue. And it's causing the labor force a little bit of a shockwave. Now, I'm not sure if you guys heard, but last month, the month of March, record amount of people went back into the labor force. Um, this past Friday, they came out with the latest jobs report and literally overwhelmingly over 900,000 people went back to the labor force, went back to jobs, whether they were furloughed or they were laid off or whatever, people are going back, um, back to work, which is a good sign. But it's also causing a, a ripple effect on people who are, who don't, you know, they're willing to work, but they don't want to go to work. And businesses and establishments are finding it very, very difficult, especially here in the state of Florida. Our unemployment rate luckily has not been so bad as many other states. Uh, we've been, I believe, hovering around 5, 4.85% unemployment here in the state of Florida. So roughly, we're not we're not that bad. Um, I think one of the big saving grace for Florida is was the construction um, sector. Um, you know, if, if you live in the Orlando area, you know about the I-4 Ultimate Project widening and, and really modernizing I-4. Um, they kept the ball rolling during the whole pandemic when we were all shut down last year. Um, construction, I'm not sure if you are around town in, in the state of Florida, there's construction almost everywhere you look. Home construction, road construction, um, building infrastructure. So much of that is going on in the state of Florida. And thanks for that. That really have helped out our economy because we all know Florida is a hotbed when it comes to tourism. You know, majority of our dollars, our majority of our state revenue comes from that. And obviously that was really impacted tremendously uh, due to the pandemic of uh, 2020. And luckily we survived that versus other states. Look at New York. Look at California. Struggling in many aspects where people are literally flooding these leaving these these states for much greener pastures let's put it like that and florida is one of them georgia is another one and texas is another one as well lots of people are moving to those states um and it's it's so back to this main part of the conversation about people are not going out to work. I was watching a, a news report the other day and they had a, one of the biggest job fairs in uh, Central Florida. And it was one of the one of the biggest, you know, locations that you could have a job fair. It wasn't like a small job fair where you have three or four employ, uh, employers. There was like probably about two dozen. And the, on the news report, there was, they were saying that recruiters and employers that were on scene at those job fairs were like shocked how the numbers were so small they were saying on that news report that there were literally where there were more employers there than employees looking or not employees but candidates for jobs there were more employers than 
seek job seeking candidates for jobs in their companies just to put things into perspective right there can you imagine that and this is we're still in the pandemic we're not fully out of it yet but things are slowly getting back to, to normal but why is this happening and the reason for this is obviously many people are staying home because of these the stimulus uh money that we have gotten from uncle sam you know many of you guys have gotten your 1400 dollars stimulus checks already in the bank many of you guys are some or not many but some of us who are still unemployed are receiving your state benefits and your uh benefits that's coming from the federal government on top of that many of them many people out there right now are getting more money to stay home versus if they went out there to find a job so that's the next shockwave that is taking place in our labor force right now a lot of these companies out there a lot of these, especially these small businesses they can't compete with the federal government many people right now are getting literally six hundred dollars a week before taxes i guarantee you you got to look really really you got to look really really careful and you were lucky to find up anywhere in united in florida that will pay you six hundred dollars a week before taxes it's tough to compete you can't compete with that so that's what's going on right now not only here in the state of florida but i'm quite certain it's happening in many other states as well that they just cannot find people to work in their establishments and that's just that's literally what is taking place right now across uh the state of florida yeah so i want you guys to listen to this and final clip i have for you guys here and um I want you guys to listen. This is in uh, obviously in the Central Florida area as well. Um, this is coming from West Two in Orlando about what's going on in some of the counties in Florida. How small business owners are having it having a struggle in finding uh, candidates for roles in that are vacant in their establishments. We're overrun with business, which is a great thing, but uh, we can't find people that want to come and work. Kevin Wakefield owns three popular restaurant bars in Ormond Beach and is short employees by at least a third at each. Wakefield says a number of people have not returned to work, even though he has jobs for them. We've had quite a few people tell us blatantly that um, they're getting enough money in stimulus checks and uh, unemployment that they'd rather not work. I still have tables in my garage because I don't have enough employees to run the whole dining room. At Tim's Corner restaurant in Port Orange. Owner Tom Golden says a few of his former employees got other jobs during the shutdown or moved away. Trouble is, he hasn't been able to replace them. Golden has been working seven days a week to keep the doors open. It's really just finding new employees. I mean, they'll apply, they'll set up interviews, and then they never show up. We know of several area restaurants that are closing a day, maybe two each week, just to give restaurant staff a break. Here at Krabby Joe's on the Sun Globe Pier, they had to eliminate breakfast entirely just didn't have enough people to work the shift several say hey i'm doing really good with unemployment uh i'll come back when the unemployment is gone crabby joe's general manager luke zona like others says the situation is more than frustrating in addition to cutting breakfast he has eliminated to-go orders during prime dinner hours and he's reducing capacity even though he no longer is obligated to i've taken out three or four more tables out of our dining area 
just to help my cook staff, you know. Just so, so that you don't have to serve that many people. Right, right, We're just because they just can't keep up. The owners don't know what the answer is, only that there are more people ready to go out again, fewer to serve them. In Volusia County, Claire Betts, West 2 News. Yeah, folks. So, yeah, that's the reality that's out there right now. So, yes, the economy is, is picking up. It's picking up steam each and every week. But there is a big challenge out there. The labor force is not what it was pre-pandemic. And with all the stimulus money that's out there, which is, don't get me wrong, it's beneficial. You know, we need that stimulus to kind of regenerate the economy. But it's also causing a ripple effect because it's allowing people to stay home versus a lot of, you know, literally helping them to get back into the workforce right now. From my perspective, from my point of view, I think what the federal government should have done is still kept the federal unemployment, the, the, the enhanced federal unemployment benefit, but not all the way until September. I think by the time we get to summer, um, especially if we're following what the scientists are saying, that hopefully by June, July, and even Joe Biden said it in one of his press conference that July 4th, that hopefully that will be like the catalyst of where, you know, hopefully we'll be where we should be in regards to getting close to normalization. Um, I think, and this is just my opinion, as I said before, they should have at least have it until July. You know, have it go up until July and come up with something creative with um, allowing people to seek jobs, find jobs, and maybe give them some form of incentive for going back out in the, in the labor force. It doesn't have to be a big $1,400 check but at least come up with a creative way for them to get back into the system versus and having people stay for the next, what, five to six months all the way till fall um, and causing a really, a really impactful, you know, effect on our labor force. So that's what's going on right now. And that's the reality at this point. And it's so tough that even many of these big companies out there is these big, you know, S&P companies out there. Uh, having vacant jobs out there and they literally are doing sign-on bonuses. A lot of companies out there are doing sign-on bonuses because they're trying to also make it creative for people to come back. They're trying to, you know, fill these spots. They desperately need these people in these jobs and they just can't find it. And it, it this also ties back into the federal minimum wage, right? It also ties back into that. And whether you like it or not, you have a lot of people saying, $15 an hour, that's too much. You know, Florida did it. Florida is a literally a Republican-run state right now. And Florida voters went out in the last election, overwhelmingly, two-thirds majority voted to making $15 an hour um, the minimum wage in the state of Florida. Obviously, it's not going to be something that's going to be right off the bat, $15 an hour. But this fall, $10 an hour. That's where Florida, Florida's minimum wage is going to be this fall by the end of September. Next September, next year, it's going to be $11 an hour. So it's going to be a gradual gradual increase. And a lot of companies, not, not sure what's going to happen, but they have to try to keep up with it. And if not, then there's also might be some, some really, really serious situations that's going to happen down the road when it comes to our labor force. Now, we got to figure out a way because the thing is, and let me, finally, let me just finally say this. The thing is, everywhere you look, it's getting very, very expensive for cost of living. 
everywhere you look. 10 years ago, the things that you could buy for 10 bucks, it's no longer 10 bucks. It's 30, 40 bucks right now because inflation has really, really kicked many of us uh, middle class down the road and it's, it's now catching up to us. And, um, and that's what's going on. And that's what happened when you have a robust economy. When the economy is good and inflation is jacking up and your pay is not moving, that can really dump people down the poverty, poverty line. That's why a lot of people out there now have one, two, two, three jobs because the, the one job that pays $13, $12 an hour can't pay for their, their rent that's due. Maybe that whole $12 an hour job can pay the rent, but yet still you have car payments, car insurance. You got to maintain the car. You got to put gas in the car. You also need food to survive so you can get to work and get from point A to point B. You need health insurance. You got to take care of yourself. If you have kids, the kids have to be taken care of. The kids got to go to school. The kids, you know, got to buy books and stationary um, products for the kids to go to school. You know, you also like me, you want to look fly. You want to take care of yourself. You want to dress well. You want to go out and hang out with your friends and family members and so forth. So all of that costs money and it's not getting cheaper each and every day. It's getting much, much, much more expensive. So obviously, the disparity is right now that cost of living is all the way up here, but that minimum wage, that money that you're earning is not budging. And that's the problem that we have here in the United States. And that's why a lot of states like Florida, a Republican state, and I'm not trying to put politics, but I'm just trying to put things into perspective here, to be honest with you. A Republican-run state voted, the citizens of the state of Florida voted for $15 an hour minimum wage. And a lot of political pundits would say, that's kind of, that's a liberal, very, very liberal, progressive uh, topic to talk about when it comes to minimum wage. Well, you hear Bernie Sanders talking a lot about it, um, Elizabeth Warren, a lot of uh, all the other, dem the, the, the progressive part of the Democratic Party talk a lot about it. Um, um, but yeah, this is something, that's the reality out there. Whether you like it or not, that's the reality. And we are got to see what's going to happen over the next few years to come um, as um, this continues to be a hot button topic in the political world. So those are some of the, those are the two dynamic situations that has been floating around my mind and I want to pass it along uh, in my, uh, in this particular segment that I call, uh, that I call right here, <laughs> Rory's take on, on, on the hot button issues that of the day. All right, folks, so that is it for my take. We're going to take a short break right here on Perspective Podcast, and we're going to make way for the highs and lows for the week. Stick around. Want to be a guest on this podcast? Send me an email at askperspectiveshow at gmail.com. That's askperspectiveshow at gmail.com. And let the world hear your perspective on the main issues and the hot topics of the day. Let your words speak to the world on perspective. Let your knowledge be the substance. And I'll see you there. All right, folks, welcome back to the Perspective Podcast, where we are going to be outlining for you the high and low stories that I think 
uh, in my pers from my perspective. Uh, I'm going to bring that to you right about now. Stories that make your heart warm and the ones that need to be brought to light. Here are this week's highs and lows. So, her low story. We're going to start off with this one, and it's still in the notion of uh, COVID-19 and the protocols that many businesses have put in place for their uh, for their guests and their visitors. As we all know, uh, so slowly but surely, our uh, the theme parks, many of uh, the uh, amusement parks across uh, Florida, are reopening, and uh, visitors are being able to you know maneuver themselves in and about the theme parks but obviously there's got to be protocols in place that you have to follow but listen to this story what this man uh refused to take his temperature check at disney so the story is coming from the local cbs affiliate in orlando and this is what the story indicated so it says a man who entered disney springs without a temperature check even though he was warned that he needed to go through the screening, complained about how much he spent on the vacation while being arrested, according to the Orange County Sheriff's Office. Deputies said they confronted Kelly Sills of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, outside the Boathouse restaurant back in February and told him he needed to go back to the screening area and have his temperature checked before he would be allowed on park property. But of course, he refused. Records show a security manager told the 47-year-old he needed to leave Disney Springs and was being trespassed for the day. The security manager said if he didn't leave, he would be arrested. Now, the guy went on to say, hey, I spent $15,000 to come here. Uh, so Sills, he, the guy said he went on saying that uh, as authorities issued a verbal trespass warning on uh, deputy's body camera video that he needs to get off property, Deputy said Sills was repeatedly told that he would be arrested if he didn't leave, but he still refused and continued arguing with the security manager. Sills was eventually arrested and charged for trespassing after warning. Uh, a written trespass was also issued under this case for him for all Disney property. So apparently this guy looks like he's not going to be allowed on Disney property even after this uh, debacle that occurred. Like... Come on, people. I think I've said this before in a prior episode. Like, companies these days, they're doing everything that they can to make not only their employees safe, but of course, you as visitors to be safe. Like, the protocols are there. Is either you want, if you don't want to abide by the protocols, then don't go. It's just like the same similar situation about a security guard, I believe. I think if I'm not mistaken, it was on Disney property too. I think in the last episode, or if not the episode before that, where the security guard was telling this guy that he has to follow certain protocols, and he thought the 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 the, the nicest thing to do, obviously it's not nice, but in I guess in his book, is to to spat on the the security guard for the security guard is literally doing their job in in the regulations and and protocols that they that, that that's put in place by their you know their establishment you know the people who work there the leadership establishment at their at that particular place 
and they're just following rules and regulations just like you have to follow rules and regulations but if, my thing is if you don't want to follow rules and regulation then you don't need to be there there's countless other parks parks that you can go to if their if their regulations are not to check your temperature then go there you know it doesn't matter if you spend fifteen thousand dollars to come here that's not the point the point is if that's the rules and regulations you got to abide by it and my thing is what is so difficult of getting why you're refusing a temperature check i'm quite certain it's much easier to take a temperature check than doing a covid 19 test and I'm quite certain what which we've been talking about lately, the COVID-19 vaccine. So, you know, a temperature check should not be uh, a, a, a deterrent or it's going to cause, a, you know, any kind of uh, of this like dissatisfaction just to check your temperature to to, you know, enjoy yourself, enjoy the time with your family and friends at, at, at the parks. Come on, man. This is just ridiculous downright ridiculous and hey i can't blame disney you don't want to follow rules and regulation simple rules like that then you're going to suffer the consequences so just like this guy here had to suffer the consequences no longer will he be on any disney property moving forward so yep that's what you get all right now this story is a very very beautiful story to um, bring to you guys i saw on the internet apparently it's becoming a big uh, viral uh, sensation, but uh, an engagement ring payoff by a superstar. Now, many of you guys know this guy, of course. Buying an engagement ring for a future spouse can be very, very stressful enough. I haven't reached that stage yet, hopefully one day, but Hall of Famer Shaquille O'Neal made it a lot easier for one young man during a segment on NBA on TNT in which O'Neal serves as an analyst, he spoke about how he paid off the a price of an engagement ring for a man who was shopping at a jewelry store after a video of the moment went viral. In the video, O'Neal is seen apparently squaring away the bill with the associate before he goes to shake the hand of the man who was buying the ring and then patting him on the back. So here's a story of Shaquille O'Neal, the big guy, just kind of doing a little good deed in uh, helping out this young man and getting his engagement ring for his soon-to-be or future spouse. Look at this. Shaq randomly <laughs> played for a young man's engagement ring? You know you know what happened yesterday? When did this happen? This happened yesterday. So I was in looking, I was in Zales looking for some loop earrings and I seen the guy. Harlan, With the blue shirt on? <laughs> yeah. You went to the mall and went to Zales? Wait, what? <laughs> you you want me right? to go to Piedmont Park? You're going to Zales? First of all, I have uh, I have a jewelry line at Zales, first of all. Oh, okay. Ooh, my bad. What my kind bad. of jewelry? Well, yeah, everything. So anyway, I went in there to get some loop earrings, and I seen the guy come in. He was just so shy. He was saying, hey, how much do I owe to pay off my ring? It was just, and I was like, my man, I'm, I'm, how much is the ring? And I'm not going to say the amount, but yeah. it's not enough to me, but I just, you know, and this is something that I do every day. The other day, me and my mom went furniture shopping, and this lady, uh, she had a autistic daughter, mm. and you know, she was also, you know, looking to pay for some furniture. And I just, I just took care of her. So I'm into, I'm into making people happy. So whenever I leave the house, I just try to do a, a good deed. Like I didn't mean, mean, mean for that to get out because I don't do it for that, but. Like the guy just came in and you know, he's a hard, young kid. He's a hard working guy. He's like, hey man, I can come back next month and the next, like 
lay away. Like he's, yeah, yeah. You know, he put some money down, but I was like, you know what? Tell your girlfriend I got it. Take care of it. At first, he didn't want to take it. He's like, man, I can't do it. I said, don't worry about it. I do it all the time. So mm. I'm just trying to make people smile. That's all. When a girl wow, finally so gets that ring. That is just awesome right there. Shaquille. Can you imagine Shaquille O'Neal? You're at a, a jewelry place like Zale. You know, try to get your, you know, try to put down some money for your soon-to-be wife, you know, your fiancé. And, hey, you know, the big guy just came around the corner to kind of help you out on all of that. That's just phenomenal. And obviously, as you can hear what Shaq said, he didn't mean for it. He didn't meant for it to be out like that in public, you know, making it be viral. Uh, but, you know, obviously, you know, Shaq is a big guy and obviously he's a superstar. So anywhere, anywhere in about society, if somebody sees Shaq, obviously they're going to pop out their phone and record, uh, you know, that just having that experience there. So, hey, that's just a remarkable. I don't know that young guy is going to be really, really thrilled that um, that, uh, yeah, this ring this engagement ring is is going to be paid off by Shaquille O'Neal. So uh yeah, just randomly just happened out of nowhere. And I guess that's how sometimes that's how life is, you know, when you're going through difficult difficulties, sometimes out of nowhere somebody just came in just in the nick of time to kind of, you know, help solidify whatever difficulties you may have. Not saying this young guy was in any kind of difficulties, but obviously making that down payment for an engagement ring over a course of a period of time, you know, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult financial decision. And it's a difficult financial choice as well to, be, to make. So for him to do that, man, that was an awesome story that I saw on social media that I would like for you guys to just kind of reckon with as well and just continue to do good deeds. If, if there's somebody out there who's able to, you know, that needs a helping hand for in some kind of way. And it doesn't have to be on, based on money. A lot of people think that helping somebody out is based on money. It's just, and for me, it's based on the simplest of things that make a difference. You know, a simple gesture, you know, a simple hello, you know, a simple, hey, how's everything going? You know, little stuff like that means a lot. A lot of people think that is the big, huge things that make you know, make your life be fulfilling. Nope. Especially people like me, I'm very simplistic. So I don't, the big, all these big jubilant kind of things, uh, the huge details and stuff like that, I'm not really big on that. So for me, I'm just, I like the simple things. The simple things and the thoughtful things, for me, makes a big difference. But hey, lend a helping hand, especially during these times as well, where it needs to be, um, where it needs to be, um, you know, be there for for individuals out there that 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 do seek that so yeah great story great story all right this next one is uh sort of kind of like a low story i read this recently this uh actually early this week and um it's a cnn anchor um very very popular anchor on cnn and apparently she's leaving the uh news network uh, and now she's also spilling the beans on what's going on inside of cnn uh, based on what she is indicated. Now, this came from an article on MSN, and uh, I guess she was in a recent interview with, uh, on a, actually a recent interview on a podcast, and this is what uh, this article is saying about this particular story. So, outgoing CNN anchor Brooke Baldwin opened up this week about gender pay disparity at the network, but said, quote, it's getting better. 
the most influential that she said the most influential anchors on our network the highest paid are men my bosses my executives are men the person who oversees CNN Dayside is a man and my executive producer for 10 years is a man. So I've been surrounded by a lot of men, Baldwin said, while reflecting on her decade at the network during an appearance on Miss Magazine's On The Issues podcast. Baldwin shared the ongoing diversification of on-air talent and the fact that some CNN divisions like its digital team are helmed by women but cautioned against only accepting white women in leadership roles. Hmm. Baldwin announced in February that she would be leaving the network after 13 years. So, um, yeah, um, quite certain many of you out there that are listening can probably relate, relate to that. And... Um, and it's happening in many of the news agencies as well, these new news companies, CNN and all of them. And I'm quite certain some of them do uh, can relate to what's going on in the workplace there. And um, it's, it's a reality. You know, many of these news agencies, they broadcast, you know, what's going on with race tension, race relations, um, gender disparity. Um, now we're having issues with what's going on with the hate uh, crimes with uh, Asian American community. So it is a, a serious situation that we all as people are dealing with. And I'm quite certain there might be some aspects of your life where you have encountered similar situation of that nature as well, where it comes to whether it's gender disparity or when whether it's race disparity or anything of that nature. Um, it, it's, it's and, and the thing is, it's a difficult subject for many people to talk about, but you have to talk about these things because it does happen from time to time. And, um, you know, and it, it's you should be able to have good, honest conversation about this. Now, obviously, she is leaving the network. So obviously, she's open to say that. Um, I don't know if this is something that she said, you know, off like off you know off the mic kind of thing maybe when you're in your own little personal setting or when if you're around certain colleagues of yours or whatever but obviously she's saying this because now she's leaving cnn and now she has the freedom to say that but uh this is something that should honestly be talked about in in all you know right across the board um in corporate america it's a very very important topic and if we're going to really talk about race relations and the issues that we have in this country in regards to you know you know certain races are being um you know be shied upon you know we got to have an honest conversation and um you know it, it it's it's a it's the thing is it's a continuous um evolution about race relations you know every time a, a situation comes up where there's police brutality and, it, and it, it comes to that nature. Obviously, the George Floyd situation have catapulted. Uh, we saw the impacts of that over the over the summer uh, period uh, after Memorial the Memorial Weekend holiday there last year. Uh, obviously, his trial is taking place as we speak right now with um, David, not David, but um, I forgot his name, but his last name is Shabin, the, the police officer, the, the Minneapolis police officer that had his neck on George Floyd, um, to have his knee on George Floyd's neck. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's a big topic. It's uh, a huge issue that's facing this country, and we I don't think you know any president who is in office can solve it. Joe Biden can't solve it. Obviously, 
Uh, Donald Trump can't solve it. Barack Obama, even him being the first uh, black president of the United States, didn't solve it because we're still having it. This is something that we have to thoroughly, systematically sit down and figure out how are we going to um, fix this in regards to uh, disparities from all walks of life, whether it's for gender, race, whether it's income, economic, economical disparities, also another big, big issue as well. So the list goes on and on and on. And, um, and also a part of the problem is with our politics. And this is leading me to the next one here with Char Charles Bar Barkley, another big NBA star that many of you guys know. Uh, he made a slam dunk comment and literally he did. And um, this is what this article stated about J uh, Charles Barkley. And this is also another viral uh, moment that is all over social media about some of the comments that he made in regards to politics in this country and how it relates to our day-to-day -day lives as citizens. So here's what he said in this, this article is saying that former NBA star Charles Barkley ripped the nation's political class on Saturday, saying politicians are dividing Americans along racial lines for personal gain. Barkley had been asked to respond to a segment recalling former President John F. Kennedy in Indianapolis in 1968, announcing Martin Luther, Martin Luther King's Jr. assassination. Um, I think this is actually wrong, this particular article. I'm going to read it, though. I'm gonna, I'll tell you why it's wrong. The NCAA tournament games are taking place in Indianapolis. Barkley said he truly believed most white people and black people are awesome people, but said Americans are, quote, so stupid following our politicians. <laughs> Barkley, one of the NBA's most notorious trash talkers, as we all know, during his time in the league, has been outspoken on issues of race and politics since leaving the game. Now, the article said that Barkley had been asked, I'm going to read this part again, Barkley had been asked to respond to a segment recalling former President John F. Kennedy in Indianapolis in 1968. That got to be announcing Martin, Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination. This is definitely wrong because obviously, President John F. Kennedy, he was assassinated back in 1963. Um, and um, so I'm, I'm assuming this article should have read like former Senator um, Robert, Robert F. Kennedy, which is John F. Kennedy's brother uh, in Indianapolis. Because I, I remember seeing a speech back in that time, 1968, when he made that announcement, uh, letting the world know about Martin Luther King's Jr.'s assassination. So definitely that one was not correct, but obviously we understand what the, the whole notion of the article is saying. I also have a clip of what uh, Charles Barkley stated as well. And it's, man, it's, I couldn't have said it even better than what he uh, initiated. So just let me get that loaded up for you right now. When I look at that piece, I was honestly, I wasn't aware that, that uh, Senator Kennedy had been the one here in Indianapolis who shared that news and how painful it was. Yeah, but the one thing I took out of that piece was, man, I think most white people and black people are great people. I really believe that in my heart. But I think our system is set up where our politicians, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, are designed to make us not like each other so they can keep their grasp of money and power. They divide and conquer. I truly believe in my heart most white people and black people are awesome people. But we're so stupid 
following our politicians, whether they are Republicans or Democrats. And their only job is, hey, let's make these people not like each other. We don't live in their neighborhoods. We all got money. Let's make the whites and blacks not like each other. Let's make rich people and poor people not like each other. Uh, let's, let's scramble the middle class. I truly believe that in my heart. Hmm. That is Charles Barkley, man. Yeah, and I know a lot of times people don't agree with a lot of, a lot of things that he have to say, but trust me, uh, if you kind of really dissect what he's saying right there, it's literally, it's like I cannot say it better than what he just said right there. I couldn't, I couldn't have articulated the way how he had uh, in that in that clip right there. And it, he's so right, you know. He's so right. Both sides of the a political divide, both Republicans and Democrats, it's, it's almost like it's almost like they're both fighting for scarce benefits and spoils or something. You know, like when whichever party is in power, there's always the boogeyman is always the party that that is there in office right now. That's the boogeyman. And we're we're against that. And that's whichever party it is, whether it's Republican, we saw how it was when Trump was president and the backlash that he got and the, the type of coverage he got, negative press, negative that. And then now Joe Biden is there now, you don't hear much of the, that coverage anymore. You know, and the thing is, the I said this already, the press play, the, the media plays a very, very vital and important role, the way how we see politics in this country. If you watch Fox News, they have a certain narrative that fit their um, chemistry of audience. If you watch MSNBC, it's the same thing. They have they 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 tailor their narrative to fit their audience. CNN, a lot of people would say that they typically are in the middle, but ever since the Trump era, the Trump presidency, obviously it's in the favor that yep. Everything that Trump does is bad, 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 bad. And we need as citizens, and Charles Barkley have said that so perfect. We need to understand the true nature of ourselves. That's the reason for me. I don't just watch one particular news channel if I do have the time to sit down and watch them. I don't just watch CNN all the time. I don't just sit down and watch MSNBC all the time. I don't sit down and watch Fox News all the time. I watch each and every one of them because I want to get the various angles, the various different political, um, the political framework on certain issues that's affecting me, affecting you know, affecting this country. I want to see the various angles from it. Um, I may not agree with what what's on Fox. I may agree that what Fox have to say. Same thing for MSNBC and CNN and so forth. But we have to be very objective on the way how we do things in this country in regards to media. Media plays a very, 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 very important role. And um, that's the reason why the way how it's, it's, not, it's not like, it's not like back in, the, back in the day where people are doing journalism, like real hardcore journalism and holding politicians accountable regardless of their political affiliation. The same kind of press that Trump got during his presidency should be the same amount of press coverage that Joe Biden gets. And if Joe Biden does something that does not make sense to the general public, you should cover that. You know, 
you should cover that. If it looks bad on the, on the Biden administration, then so be it. Same thing for Trump. If Trump does something bad, which a lot of us can talk, call, you know, a lot of, there's a slew of cra crazy stuff that happened during his administration, you know, um, that we can recall. But we have to be transparent enough to bring coverage. And that's, as, as Charles Barkley said right there, these politicians are literally, literally pinning us down as citizens. You know, like they're, they're literally pinning us down, pinning us down for us to hate each other. The way, and I said this last year, that the, the politics in this country have never been so polarized than ever before have never been this polarized. Probably the only time in modern history that I can think of that I where where the where where Americans came together and it happened after the horrible tragedies of September 11th. We the country came to together during that time frame. But ever since I want to say ever since 2006, 2007, 2008 obviously with, you know, um the first black president, Barack Obama. And I'm not talking about the politics aspects of that, but I'm just saying the, 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 the dynamics that's lead up to where we at right now in 2021 regarding our politics. It, it, it has set a precedence for about for, for the last 15 years. And it has been really, really bad. It's a bad, bad image on the United States with that. And I said this before as well, if we call ourselves the nation of democracy, a beacon of freedom and democracy, how do you think the communist countries out there, like China and Cuba, that, that's looking upon the United States as this is what democracy should look like? And then we're talking about rigged election that's going on and, and this didn't happen and you know the Russia Gate situation, and it's just it just tells you how polarized our politics are and have been over the last few years. And the politicians are the main reason why there's so much there's so much level of hate in 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 in, in, in this country. And as long as they are there. And as long as they continue to participate in that, we're not going to see anything change with our politics. So this is another thing that kind of ties into gender disparity that I mentioned about a few minutes ago and race disparity. It all ties into that. And Charles Barkley kind of put the icing on the cake with that as well. So that's the highs and lows for this week, folks. We're going to take a short break right here on Perspective Podcast after we come back. We're going to take a look at the big board and see where a money challenge is at. So stick around for that. We'll be right back. Are you in a spot of bother regarding serious home emergency situations? Well, worry no more. CSB Restoration Services is here for you. CSB provides emergency services such as water, fire, flood damage, and mold remediation if your property was affected by these elements. And here's the key thing. They provide 24-hour emergency services and free estimates. So, if you have an emergency and need urgent response, 
call CSB Restoration Services at 1-800-674-3401. That's 1-800-674-3401 or 407-476-8655. That's 407-476-8655. Check out their website at csbrestorationservices.com and follow them on Facebook and Instagram. CSB Restoration Services, we get it done. Got any money hanging around? Let's challenge ourselves to save it for the unexpected circumstances. Here's Rory's 52-week money challenge. Folks, welcome back. Glad you were able to hang around for a bit. Now, we are doing our money challenge update right now in this segment. And uh, we are in the 14th week of the year. Believe it or not, we are already there. Man, month of April, the year of 2021 is flowing by as, as we all know it. <laughs> so as the months, as the days and the weeks and the months go by, we're inching ever so closely to our overall goal for the end of 2021 and as i said before we're in week 14 and uh obviously we're doing a 52 week money challenge and the goal is 1378 dollars that's our money challenge goal now we are as i said before weeks 13 and 14 so we're doing it based on two weeks you don't have to do it by two weeks you can do it on a weekly basis in uh, saving your uh, putting those those money aside for your money challenge so but I'm gonna mention that right now so it's week 13 and 14 that's where we're at at the moment and on the big board on the chart it's looking like this so you should have in your bank or what should be deposited in your bank should be $27 yes so $27 should be put away in your bank for your money challenge for weeks 13 and 14 right now all right so with that being said this is going to bring your overall total so far that should be in your bank since january it should get you to a total of 105 dollars yep that's right let me say it again you should have a total in your bank of $105 that's after putting that $27 that should be in your that should be deposited for this week's for weeks 13 and 14 so that leaves us with a remaining amount to be $1273 yep that's how much we got to get to so we still have long ways to go we still have lots of weeks and months ahead but make sure you still hold on to that momentum because um, trust me, when you do get to that, it's going to feel oh so good. So once again, that's our money challenge update. $27 should be in your bank for weeks 13 and 14, bringing your overall total for the week or since January to $105. That means a remaining balance is $1,273. That's what we have to hit for the remaining months and weeks ahead. That's your Money Challenge update right here in Perspective Podcast. Coming your way next is things that make you say, hmm, stick around.
Hey you, yes you, do you listen to the Perspective Podcast each week? If you answered yes to that question, you're one step closer in becoming a winner. Here at the show, we want to engage with you and by giving you the opportunity to win gifts during our new Trivia Week segment. Here's how it works. Tune in weekly and listen for this sound. At the beginning of the podcast, once you hear the sound, that means this week's episode has a trivia. Not every week is a trivia week, so you gotta listen. Listen for the trivia question during the episode. Once the question is announced, send your answers to askperspectiveshow at gmail.com. Include just your first name, email address, and the answer to the question. The first person to answer correctly wins. It's as simple as that. Once we have a winner, we'll announce in the next episode. So listen keenly. You never know what the trivia might be. And I would hate for you to miss out. I'll see you then. Facts that keep you thinking. Facts that keep you wondering. Well-known facts that you probably didn't know. This is things that make you say, hmm. All right, as we keep it moving in this segment, we call it things that make you say, hmm. Now, I have picked out a couple of these that I kind of find very, very fascinating because obviously some of them growing up, I thought that, yeah, this is what it is growing up. But apparently, you know, digging up and doing your own little thing and you realize that, hey, this is not what it seemed to be. But here's what I, here's that's going to make you say, hmm. So Pringles, Now, many of you guys know Pringles, right? That potato thing that you always eat, that's, that's weirdly shaped, right? <laughs> now, apparently, Pringles aren't actually potato chips. When I saw this, I had to scratch my head for a second. I'm like, what? What do you mean? So anyway, this is what this, this particular uh, notation here is indicated. The next time you see a can of Pringles, take a closer look. You won't see the word, quote, chip, C-H-I-P, anywhere on the packaging. That's because Pringles aren't made of thinly sliced potatoes, but instead dehydrated potato flakes pressed into their signature parabolic shape. That's what makes them less greasy. But when other potato chip manufacturers complain, the Food and Drug Administration, as many of you guys know it as FDA, ruled that Pringles couldn't be marketed as chips, the company eventually settled on, quote, potato crisp. That's crisp, C-R-I-S-P. Wow, did you guys know that? I did not know that. So apparently Pringles are not potato chips, they are potato crisp. So I guess the next time you're in the store and you're in the snack corner, take a look at the Pringles can again and let's make sure you look at it um because apparently it's saying that there's nothing on there that says it's a potato chip it's potato crisp hmm. did not know that i didn't even realize that there was even a uh there was some kind of uh settlement in regards to in regards to how they would market uh pringles as well back in the day so yeah interesting interesting right all right, next one is showers really do spark creativity. Hmm, 
think I can relate to this one, but here we go. Showers aren't just good for your hygiene. Well, let's hope many of us <laughs> are being hygienic, especially this these time in these days. Uh, they're good for your creativity too. For a 2012 study published in the journal Psychological Science, research researchers gave volunteers creativity problems to solve followed by a period of rest. During that period, some were assigned demanding tasks while others did simpler tasks that allowed their minds to wander, just like a shower does. Those doing the simpler task during the resting time were more likely to solve the original creativity problems. So apparently they're saying that showers really do spark creativity. Actually, I actually do think that because a lot of times, you know, I know some of us, hmm, let's see, some of us, some of us do, you know, when you do take a shower, sometimes you, you know, you have that calming, that relaxing sensation. Maybe not taking a shower, but also maybe taking a bath. Sometimes you just sit down in the bath and you just relax and you're just like, you know, very like creative thoughts, like really sprue through the mind every now and then, especially when you're in that, in that phase of, of, of mind and in that phase of, of calmness and relaxation. It does really build your creativity, especially if you're somebody who's very, very creative. Like for me, when I was doing this podcast or thinking about doing this podcast, I sat down probably about two years ago, like two years before I actually initially started the podcast. I was, you know, coming up with all the ideas and and a lot of people think it's easy just coming on and just talking on, on the podcast. It's not. It takes a lot of work to sit down and, and, and gather your thoughts, what you want to say. You know, sometimes you want to you write your thoughts down and sometimes when you write your thoughts down and then you try to articulate it verbally, sometimes it don't flow the right way. It doesn't come out the right way and, and so forth. So a lot of times sitting back and just, you know, in that calmness and in that re relaxation mode, it really, really does spark some creativity. So I would not be, I'm not quite surprised uh, that this may be true in a sense that um, you know you know having a shower or anything of that nature really does spark creativity and maybe that's the reason why you know some of us have a little bit of a musical you know singing type of per persona about us that a lot of people don't know right we, we sing a lot in the shower like that, that favorite song of yours <laughs> All right, next one thing that make you say, hmm, the first iPhone wasn't made by Apple, believe it or not. And this one also shocked me the most out of all these that I've found so far. This one shocked me the most, but listen to what this said. The first mobile device to be called an iPhone was made by actually Cisco, not Apple. It allowed the user to use the voice functions of Skype without a computer back in those days. Apple announced its own product just 22 days later, and Cisco sued for trademark infringement. The lawsuit was ultimately settled out of court, and both companies were allowed to keep using the name. However, you have probably never heard of the Cisco iPhone. <laughs> So make sure you go on Google and, and and check that out because I actually found that very very fascinating. I didn't know I, I you know everyone who think of iPhone you don't think of Cisco, you know you think of Apple because you know Apple and Cis and, and 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 iPhone they go together right, but apparently that was not the case. 
Um, Cisco was the first one to come up, you know, with that uh, mobile device name. And um, I, did you know that? Because I certainly did not know that. And if you Google it, um, Cisco iPhone uh, back in the, I guess back in the day, um, it's very interesting that's how it looked. Uh, yeah, it's very, I'm looking at it right now. Interesting, interesting, interesting. So yeah, Cisco was were the first ones to have that uh, have their mobile device be called iPhone, not Apple. Quite certain you did not know that, right? Because I certainly did not know that. <laughs> All right, folks, pretty short and sweet for you. So that is things that make you say, hmm. <laughs> All right. You're listening to The Perspective Podcast, and of course, where we bring knowledge with substance your way. And we're going to take a short break after we come back, our final segment, Rory's Advice. That's coming up in just a few minutes. This is where you guys share something that's on your mind with me, and I'll give you my honest opinion on uh, that particular subject matter. So stick around for that. That's coming your way next. We pause from the show to listen to what's on Rory's soundtrack this week. Enjoy while we get ready for the final segment. I'm 
Alright, welcome back, and yes, that is my sound uh, playlist for this week on the show. That is Pro2J, who's giving us some troops and rights in that song choice right there. Great, great artist. If you guys don't know who Pro2J is, type his name in on YouTube and Google and so forth. Really have great, great positive music that he uh, produces and uh, bring forth for our, our listening our listening pleasure and this is one of them as well actually one of my favorites from him as well so protege giving it's giving us some truths and rights and of course this is leading us into my advice which is called this segment is called rory's advice this is where you guys share some topical uh subjects i guess uh, and uh, you want to bring it to my attention and you want to get my truthful advice on or comments on on your on, on the topics that you guys express to me this is where i'm open the floor for all my listeners out there who typically listen to the perspective podcast each and every other week so thank you so much for sharing this so this is where we bring rory's advice have a concern on an issue and need an advice let rory express his honest opinion on those concerns this is rory's advice on perspective So, the listener here, my one of my avid listeners, asking me this particular question. Before we do that as well, you can also send any uh, thing that you want to think of, any any comments, subject matters you want me to, you know, kind of get my advice on and, and want me to comment on. You can send them to axperspectiveshow at gmail.com. That's axperspectiveshow at gmail.com. And you can send that over and uh, you might be featured. Your comments or your topics might be featured in one of uh, our episodes, our upcoming episodes on the show. So stick around for that. Uh, greatly appreciate you participating as well. So this avid listener is asking me this question. This is saying, from your pers- experience in life, uh, they're saying here, what do you think is the most important traits to have and maintain in a relationship, regardless if it's a friendship, I guess, I guess friendship relationship or a committed relationship. Um, so I guess this listener is asking me from my experience, what do you think is the most important traits to have and maintain in a relationship? It doesn't matter if it's a friendship or a committed one. All right. So from my perspective with this one, obviously all of us can relate to relationships, whether, you know, family relationships, friend, friendship friend relationship, committed ones, and so forth. And from my experience and from my perspective, I believe what is very, very, very important to have in a relationship and for it to flourish, because it's something that does not just, it, it, it's, it rolls off the tongue quite easily, but it's not something that can be maintained. And you actually heard it in the previous song that was played on my um, the previous song as we teed up into this segment here and one of the words in that song says truth and yeah actually I'm gonna tie that into this particular question here that this listener is asking me of what of the what, what do you think is the most important traits to have in a relationship truth trust in somebody is 
a very, very, very important thing in any kind of relationship. Work relationship, friendship, family relationship, committed relationship, trust, in my opinion, is like one of the most, if not the important trait to have. Because once you have trust, once you establish establish trust in any kind of relationship, that's what's going to lead to the other traits that come along, whether it could be love, whether it's um, feelings for someone, um, you know, a great chemistry, all of that, it, it really, really, in my opinion, ties to trust. You have to trust someone. Can you imagine you're giving somebody, you know, you're trusting somebody, you know, especially if you're somebody who's very, very timid with people, you know, you, for you to give somebody your trust, um, it, it, it takes a lot. And, and as I said before, earlier in my comments, it is not something that just happens overnight. It takes time. It's just like you have a plant. You know, if you want your plant to flourish and you can reap uh, the rewards from the, the, the impact that you put onto that particular plant, you gotta continue to water it, you gotta nurture it, you gotta put in all the necessary efforts for you to get the output, which is whatever fruit that it bears. Same thing in with, with trust. It's it's a it's a, a step by step uh, process, and it doesn't happen overnight. And um, but it's very very vital in any kind of relationship. You got to be able to trust someone. You got to be able to trust your friend. You got to be able to trust your family member. You got to be able to trust. The one that you want to commit your life to, whether it's your wife, your girlfriend, your fiance, your boyfriend, whatever the case may be, it's important. And um, it, it, from my standpoint, I, I think a lot of that is, 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 it has a big, big, big breakdown in relationship because a lot of divorce and a lot of the reason why a lot of relationships, in my opinion, don't don't work, don't necessarily work, is that it always end up for some reason it always fall its way back to that word trust you know so for me for this particular question trust is important um uh, than anything else you know you can't love somebody if you don't trust that person yeah yeah period you know you can't love somebody it's, it's downright just straight and simple like that. You can't trust someone. If you're not, if you're not able to trust some someone, there's no way you're gonna open up your heart and open up um, your confidence in in, in that person uh, in maintaining that relationship. Um, so yeah, for me, I, I really I can't see anything else that that would be of any importance than trust. Very 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 important. And these days, it is tough to find trustworthy people. It is very, very, very tough. So, hey, if you have that special someone in your life and you trust them with your heart and your life, can you imagine you giving all of your life to someone for them to trust? You trust that person for your life? You know, it means a lot. So, you know, I don't take people's truth for granted as well. A lot of people do that. You know, they take people's trust and, and truth very, very uh, melancholy and they just don't, you know, they, they they tend to not 
you know see the importance of it but it is it trust me <laughs> yeah it, it is important it is vital it's like it's a necessity you know for any kind of relationship to flourish so yeah that is what i think so thanks so much for this listener for asking this particular question um, of what do i think is the most important trait to have uh, and maintain in a relationship uh, regardless if it's a friendship or a committed one. So from my, from my standpoint, trust or truth is, uh, in my opinion, the important trait to have. All right, thanks so much. Always, as I said before, send your questions over to askperspectiveshow at gmail.com and your question may be featured in this segment of the podcast. All right, folks, that is it. Yes, episode seven. Our one-year anniversary right here on Perspective Podcasts is, is, has come to an end right here and now. Um, before I go, I want to mention a couple things here that just came through. Um, I'm not sure if any of you who are listening in the Caribbean, specifically in the island nation of St. Vincent and the Grenadines, specifically, it's a twin island nation, um, but it's specifically on the island of St. Vincent. Uh, it's an island nation that is in the Caribbean, specifically on the eastern side of uh, the Caribbean, which many of us call it the Leeward Islands, or part of the Leeward Islands. And they are dealing with a very, very serious situation out there. And I want to really send my thoughts and prayers to all the, the, the people of the of St. Vincent and the Grenadines. They're dealing with an active volcano issue over there. Yeah, believe it or not, man things in time and i don't know what is going on these days there's always some crazy stuff going on in the in, in our in our world and this is one of them so far so apparently people are evacuating the northernmost part of the island where the volcano the volcanic eruption is taking place there which is really spruing lava and all these uh, different types of chemicals about twenty thousand feet in the air yeah it's a very very tri uh traumatic uh, situation that's taking place there so over the weekend um hopefully we you know we don't get any any kind of serious uh life-threatening issue here apparently the prime minister in that country has declared uh a, a, i guess a state of emergency and as well as some uh declaration on natural disaster and so forth that's taking place in the island there so yeah it's a very, very small small island with a very small population, but it really is going to impact a lot of people for a very, very long time. So I hope many of you guys who are listening or if you have family members over there in the St. Vincent and the Grenadines, make sure you keep in contact with them. Uh, obviously, it's not a good situation to be dealing with. Obviously, we're still dealing with the coronavirus as well. So there's lots of implications behind that. the uh, evacuation for these uh, for these citizens. Uh, of that particular country so yeah serious situation and hopefully over the weekend we don't hear any any seriousness i hope it doesn't get really really um um get out of control in in, in that island I, I believe there's a couple cruise lines that are helping out in evacuating uh citizens off the island to neighboring islands like uh, barbados i'm assuming probably maybe trinidad as well and so forth so just keep your thoughts and prayers for the people of st vincent and the Grenadines um, as they deal with this natural disaster that's taking place right before our eyes. 
All right, folks. So that's it. So that is the end of episode seven of Perspective Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me once again for another week. Truly appreciate your listenership. And as I, as I always say, I don't take your listenership for granted. You have so many choices out there, and I mean that. So thank you so much for tuning in. Um, always remember as well, the episodes are always posted each and every other Saturdays. So uh, at 10 a.m. Eastern time, so you'll be able to have access to the podcast and all the various platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. If you do have the Anchor app as well, you can listen on there as well. And there's also other podcasts, I believe, I mean, other platforms, I should say, that broadcast this podcast. I believe Overcast is one of them as well. So if you have that uh, app as well, you can tune in uh, that way as well. So, yeah, they are playing the music in the background. So, yeah, we got to go, folks. Thank you so much. And always remember, when tomorrow comes, there's always an opportunity for you to do better than today. So make it a great weekend, folks. And let's uh, lend a helping hand where we can as much as possible. This is the 23rd Psalm. And do we need this right now? This is Buja Banton and Morgan Heritage singing this rendition of this particular important Bible verse. Have a great weekend, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Surely